What's going on, guys? Welcome to another Eastern Current Podcast. We're excited to be back for week two after our little hiatus, our little break, um, and got a special guest on here today that I'm going to introduce here in a second. We're very excited to have him on. But before we get into that, we're going to talk about our sponsors of this show. So our first one is uh, J&J Boat Detailing. Oh, I slid that, that image around a little bit. J&J Boat Detailing. And they... Uh, full service boat detailing. They'll come to your house. They'll come to your boat lift, um, wherever you are and, and detail your boat. Um, I've had them detail on my boats and they just do an incredible job. They don't miss anything. Just really, really thorough, um, job of detailing. I've, I've had some other detailed jobs done here around the Wilmington area that I've been a little upset with. And I'm definitely always upset when I try to do it myself because I'm just not nearly as good as, as J and J, but they also, if you need it, if you keep your boat in the water, they have a, a, a dive team that could go under and scrub the bottom and do underwater work as well. Um, that's J and J boat detailing with the code EC 2022. You can get 10% off your first service. So definitely check them out. And the other sponsor of this podcast is TNL table company. Um, it's a buddy of mine up in Swansboro, North Carolina, um, or sorry, Sneeds Ferry, North Carolina. Uh, and he builds really, really awesome custom wood tables, like the podcast table that I'm sitting at now. Um, which when we got the new, when we get the new podcast studio set up, uh, we're gonna have a couple camera angles. You'll really be able to see it. But I think next week I'll pull a picture in to show y'all. Um, but it is a, just a really, really well built table. He does all kinds of custom woodwork, and uh, I think you'll be really, really happy with that if you need any custom woodwork done. Um, but before I get too carried away and start tripping over my words here. Um, I want to go ahead and bring on our special guest from Texas, Waiter Dave. What's going on? Yeah, hey, Jen. How are you? Oh, doing good. Thanks so much for uh, for hopping on here and, and chatting with us this week. Yeah. Well, I hate to start a podcast with correcting you, but you said I was from Texas. Now, I love to fish in Texas, but I'm actually from Florida, which I know you Oh, you know. are in Florida. I am in Florida. Oh, my I'm goodness. There, yeah. that, that's my lack of, of research on Instagram that... that uh, of where you're located now i'm just very embarrassed and flustered <laughs> so what well, this is I, even better for me this is more organic yeah well no no so I, i'm actually based out of the tampa bay area in florida but uh but you probably see a lot of my instagram posts uh from texas i i get out there at least at least a couple times if not more often i love fishing around the corpus christi area baffin bay lower laguna madre in that area and uh in fact uh when i do go i usually end up fishing with <clears throat> i think the fellow that uh maybe told you about me uh Wyatt Purcell so yes uh, and I think that's probably where my confusion came from with Wyatt being in Texas now and I think that's where my where where it all kind of unfolded for me thinking that you were from Texas but I was yeah, really jealous now I'm a little less jealous that you're from Florida so well if, if you can <laughs> see the uh, reels on my rod rack behind me you notice that there's there's only one uh uh uh, everything's they're all spinning uh, spinning gear so you know I'm not from Texas that's true you know bait casters so, yeah, out there <laughs> only one bait caster so that that would eliminate me from uh, that is very true Texas right there but, that is very true um, well I do apologize for for messing no, no. That, that up no, no I'm gonna blame it on Wyatt I'm gonna blame it on Wyatt so uh, well cool well let's talk a little bit about kind of your story how you got into fishing how you ended up in, in Florida. Did you grow up there uh, or, or did you move there? Just kind of take us through your story from, from you know, when you started fishing and how it's brought you to where you are today. Yeah. Well, probably like a lot of uh, addicted fishermen, I started fishing probably as soon as I could uh, uh, cast a uh, Zebco 202 reel. I, I grew up in actually in Michigan, which happens to be a fish crazy state as well. And I grew For up sure. with a uh, pond and a creek in my backyard. And, you know, my parents uh, love to tell the story that 
from the time I was old enough to walk, I'd be down there near that pond and, you know, fishing, you know, starting with uh, bits of hot dog and bread and whatever I could steal out of the refrigerator from my mom and catching bluegills and catfish and whatever. But, uh, but you know, grew from there and, and really started as a freshwater fisherman in Michigan. Um, and then uh, actually, uh, we'll fast forward quickly, uh, upon graduating from college, I uh, left to go to Florida and uh, in and primarily because I just uh, I love to fish, uh, not big into ice fishing, and so uh, the, the the lure of fishing uh, all year round, and for you know just the the numerous saltwater species was really uh, one of the reasons that I came came to Florida, and um, so when I moved to Florida, I was you know had just just left college and uh, was broke like most guys out of college, and so didn't have a boat. Uh, kayaks were pretty rare back then. That's how old I am. Uh, and so, you know, it was either a John boat, maybe a canoe, something like that. But I, I couldn't even afford one of those. So when I moved to Florida, it was bridges, piers, seawalls. Uh, that was kind of where I started fishing down here and learning kind of, you know, learning the ropes uh, with, with some of the different saltwater species. And uh, I happened to actually be fishing along a, a seawall uh, one day down off the uh, – actually the, the waterfront in downtown St. Petersburg, Florida. And I saw this guy walking on, uh, it looked to me like he was walking on the water, but I, I just like most people that come in here, he was you know, probably three, 400 yards offshore. And I'm like, how can that guy be standing up in the water uh, that, you know, that far out? I just assumed it was deep. Well, you know, I quickly you know, realized that he was on a, on a grass flat and that in fact there were grass flats and sandbars all over the place down in Florida. And uh, what was most important, I saw the guy was catching a bunch of fish and more than I was from the seawall. So uh, I waited for him to come back in and started talking to him. And, you know, I said, yeah, I come out here just about every night and I catch snook, I catch trout, I catch redfish. And I mean, I was just, you know, was really intrigued. Yeah. And so that was kind of the start of it. And I, uh, you know, threw on an old pair of tennis shoes, a pair of shorts and a T-shirt. And I was out there the next day wade fishing and um you know that was it i was just you know no pun intended but i i was hooked uh, yeah. there was just, just something about being in the water and uh having a chance to do some sight casting uh landing the fish while you're in the water with them uh just, just something i just i just fell in love with it and um and so kind of you know continued that route and started looking for more and more places where i could access areas that i could wade fish and again, fortunately, in the Tampa Bay area, there's there's lots of, of great areas to wade. We have lots of causeways that we can wade, uh, you know, wade into firm ground. Lots of shallow grass flats adjacent uh, to to parks, uh, boat launches, and things like that. So there was there were numerous opportunities. Um, but back then, uh, unlike now, you know, there there really wasn't there was no internet. Uh, hard to believe, uh, and so you know, basically, you had to kind of learn by either reading magazines. And here, there, you know, it was Florida Sportsman was kind of the uh, the the fishing magazine for saltwater down here, and, and that was it. And I, you know, every month I couldn't wait to get out and learn about you know new things. And, and even then, there wasn't a whole lot about weight fishing. Um, but basically, it was just it was trial and error. And and um, you know, I spent probably ten years just learning things the hard way. And, you know, I, I kick myself now. I think about, you know, what people can learn in just, you know, a, a matter of a short period of time on Google Earth, on doing searches on YouTube, like on your podcasts. Uh, I mean, you can learn 10 years worth of, of trial and error in, in a matter of months, right? 
And so the learning curve is just, it's just tremendous what you can do these days. And you don't have to necessarily put in all the pain and suffering uh, that guys like I used to put in in order to kind of learn the ropes. It's, it's almost unfair. Or I would say well, it is unfair. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's unfair. I, mean, I had a lot of fun doing it, but I spent a lot of time fishing and not so much time catching. Right. Uh, especially early on, right? I, I mean, I used live bait. I dead cut bait. I, you know, artificials were not even... I don't think I even used artificials for the probably the first three or four years I fished down. Yeah. Because just I didn't ever see anybody using them. Right. Um, and so I didn't really have anybody to kind of teach me how to use them. So it was mostly, you know, live bait, as I said, for the most part. Um, you know, again, I was kind of broke, so buying live shrimp wasn't really a choice. So I actually, I actually found a, a, a cast net one day on a flat that someone had either lost or whatever and uh, kind of fixed it up and started using that and learned how to get a cast net going and, and, and casting it for bait. But that kind of opened things up a little bit. But as I said, I, that was really the start for me. It was just uh, it was out of necessity to begin with, but it, it quickly became a love of mine. Um, but, there, you know, there came a time when I, you know, finally started making a, a few bucks and I, could, I, got, I actually bought a John boat. And I thought, wow, this is going to open a whole new world for me. I can you know, just explore all these flats. And what I found myself doing is I'd take it out to spoil islands or I'd go out to sandbars and what, I was waiting again. So I just noticed, wait a minute, I, can, I, just, I just didn't like fishing from the boat. So really what the boat became for me was a was an avenue to, to new places to wait fish right? <laughs> that I couldn't get to from shore. Um, and, and even to this day, I mean, I have a 25-foot bay boat. I have, I think, three kayaks. I have a couple paddle boards. I use them all, but I, I only use them primarily to get me to places where I can get out and wade fish. Yeah, that's and, cool. Uh, you know, over the years, I've, I've you know, it, what I've learned is just not only do I enjoy it, but it's an incredibly effective way to catch a lot of fish and catch big fish. And I think that's one of the things that really surprises people is um, is how well you can do. Um, but, you know, it's really, it's, it's a simple, low-impact way to fish. Um, you're stealthy. And as I said, it really opens uh, opens the doors to, to catch, you know, I think fish that, that people just can't even imagine that you could do in water that maybe knee deep or less. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah. and, then, and so, that, so that's, I mean, I just started doing that. And, it, and so I've been weight fishing now for, yeah, gosh, you know, it's hard to believe, but 40 years, right? And, uh, and, and primarily here in the Tampa Bay area. So uh, there's probably not a weightable spot within... I'm going to say probably within 75 miles of the Tampa Bay area that I haven't fished at some point over the last 40 years. I mean, that's, that's just cool. what I love to do is to explore. So it's a big part of it. So tell me this. Nowadays, we've got satellite imagery and you can hop online. And, and before you, like wade fishing, access points is so important. So finding a place that you can even get to to get to a flat, like as far as drive to or park or walk through an area, learning all that before we had satellite imaging and all that was there a big learning curve was it tough were you having to sneak around gates and parking sure kind of take yeah, me well, through that process well it was a lot of drive time yeah one. i mean you know so i i mean i you know basically i you just you go to the coast right and just try to drive start following roads that went around the coast yeah um one of the things I did early on i you know I, I got a list of parks there's you know of city county state parks uh or even national parks and and in florida there's a lot of great parks that have uh, access to the water. So that was kind of the, the first thing I did. So I really started scoping out a lot of the parks uh, that we had and, and identified those areas that had 
um, you know, really, uh, you know, good, good water access. Um, then boat launches was another thing I discovered. Wow. A lot of the areas where there was boat launches had, had adjacent areas that you could wade as well along different shorelines. Um, and, and again, both of those, you know, you could find lists even back then, you know, you could buy the magazine that, you know, the, the, the or, or a map even that would list the different parks and for boat launches and things like that. So I just started exploring those. Um, and a lot of it was also just obvious stuff, you know, driving over causeways. Um, down here, there's, you know, there's a, a line of barrier islands, which is where most of the beaches are here all along the, the Gulf Coast. And there's, uh, there's a causeway that connects just about every one of these barrier islands to the mainland. And so these causeways uh, tend to have some, you know, great access. And, and for the most part, most of them, you know, they, they dredged the, 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 the flats uh, adjacent to create the, the fill yeah. for these causeways. And so what you have is you have a channel that runs right along and, and parallel to almost every one of these causeways. So you've got a you know built-in structure almost immediately right there. Yeah. A lot of these a lot of these causeways they have they piled up rocks and other riprap, right? So you got all kinds of great rocks and structure along the shoreline. You tend to have kind of firm sandy bottom because they also tend to be near you know uh, uh, passes and things like that. So you've got a lot of water movement, mm -hmm. so it tends to, to be less muddy. So you got firm firm you know sand, sandy or or shelly bottom. You've got uh, deep uh, 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 channels adjacent and rocky so kind of all the structure built right in and, and so the causeways can be just fabulous it's the same thing in texas for that matter it yeah. really is i mean there's a lot of great causeways down there to fish and um you can just you know a lot of times you just can pull right on over and park and get out and go you don't even have to walk very far yeah right? yeah um and you know and then you know the last piece that there really is kind of easy and obvious here are beaches i mean we just mm -hmm. have loads and loads of beaches and uh you know i think that's something that a lot of people don't uh, realize down here that, that the fishing, especially in the summertime, uh, snook fishing along the beaches here, kind of anywhere from where we are south, um, and, and actually, the, quite honestly, the, the range for the snook has actually probably moved 75 to 100 miles even north of here, to believe it or not, wow. in the last you know five, ten years. So, but there's a great beach fishery for snook, trout, redfish, uh, flounder, um, and then you know obviously mack will come in certain times, your tarpon, and all the rest, but. So there's just so many different opportunities, and that's why for wave fishing, there's, there's, you know, Texas is, is really uh, is right up there with, with, with Florida, and it's one of the reasons why I love Texas. And people are wave fish crazy in Texas, even more so than they are here. Um, but, but it's, it's a great way to do it. But yeah, so it's, it's, you had to put your time in, but you know, you kind of had to figure it out on your own. It took a lot longer to, to do it. You, you know, you might think you've got a spot, and not until you actually get down there and find out and walk in. And, and it's still the same even with Google Earth. You may find what you think is the perfect flat or the perfect entry point. You get in and next thing you know, you're waist deep in mud, right? right. Um, or or there's 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 so much rock in there that you can't get through it. Um, or you find out it's private property and next thing you know, you got the sheriff uh, yelling at you. You want to know why you're uh, snooping around in some guy's backyard or whatever it might be. But, uh but so, you know, so I had a lot of that. I mean, I, I, I will, what I will say is um, I, I might have been arrested a few times, uh, but, but I was never convicted of trespassing. So um, That's awesome. usually I was able to, well, I shouldn't say, I was always able to talk my way out of it. Yeah. 
but uh, but I haven't had nearly as much of that since uh, since I discovered Google Earth. Let's put it that way. Yeah, for sure. It's always you can get away with walking through people's backyards with a fishing rod when you're like six to twelve years old, but then when you become a grown adult and you're walking through someone's yard with a fishing rod, like it's, they take it a little more seriously. <laughs> well, actually, one one of the few advantages of getting old like I am now, they start to feel sorry for you when you get old like I am. You're like, wow, this guy doesn't have a lot of time left. Let's let him have a little bit of fun before he's, <laughs> before he's going down. So oh, they got to awesome. get away with some of that at this point. That's awesome. Um, so as far as your flats fish or your wade fishing goes, are you primarily trying to sight fish? Or are you doing a mixture of sight fishing and blind casting? Uh, what does that look like on foot? Because I've done a little bit of wade fishing myself for redfish and for uh, bonefish, but just very little. It's just something that that I've I haven't done much of. I've done some surf fishing and beach fishing, but but down there is it is it a, a good mixture it, of the two? It, it's it's both. Yeah. I mean, we've got you know certain areas that we've got just beautiful, you know, clear water, you know, firm grass flats, and we do have the chance to sight fish right um, snook. Uh, snook and redfish in particular are probably what we do more sight fishing for down here. Uh, the trout tend to be a little bit deeper, so it's a little bit tougher to, to do uh, to be sight casting for them most of the time. But you know, along the beaches is, is a great sight fishing opportunity here because we, you know, we don't get a big surf a lot of the times, and the water's crystal clear. And summertime, you can walk a beach around here, and you can just see the snook lined up in the in the in the swash. Um, and you get a chance to cast, you know, cast them. Now, the tough part is, of course, most of the time, those snook, if you're up on the beach, you can see them, they can see you, and they just kind of look back at you and laugh. But, uh, but you do get a chance to do it. So, so, you know, I do a lot of sight fishing, but I probably do as much blind casting because also a lot of the areas that I, that I fish, um, you know, the water may not be, you know, clear, especially if we get some, some wind blowing, things like that. Uh, we, we have a lot of areas that we've got some of the uh, coastal uh, areas where the uh, we've got rivers that are entering into the Gulf of their stained water, and so we'll get you know tannic acid that'll that'll have you know kind of that tea-colored water, which will make it difficult to that. But but it's both, so you need you need to understand you know how to do both. Um, probably like most fishermen, and I know like yourself, I love to to sight fish when I have the opportunity to do it. Um, it's it's certainly my preference over blind casting um but if, if all you have to do is blind casting well that's what you do right, and, right. Uh, you know when i catch that fish blind casting i don't throw it back and say man i don't want you because i didn't see it but uh so, so a little bit of both but but you really have to understand how to, to to do both yeah definitely definitely i think uh you know well-rounded well-rounded angler is one that understands you know both does both but knows when to you know there's time like this morning I, I, we wanted to sight fish we really wanted to sight fish but the conditions were not allowing it we had clouds and they've been getting the redfish have been getting really shallow and tailing well but we had a north wind switch around and blow it was a little cooler this morning and they just weren't shallow so we had to resort back to to a little blind casting and, and you know it's just I, be, you know knowing when to shift and, and when to do what is really I think something that pays off a lot and allows you to learn more and, and, and grow as an angler. But like yeah. you said, I think if, oops, sorry, a lot saying? of it depends on, a lot of it depends on, on the areas that we're fishing too. Cause a lot of the areas here get a ton of pressure. Yeah. And so the fish are really skittish. And so really to get the opportunity to get close enough to, to first of all, even see the fish, uh, but to, to, to get a cast in front of them, um, without spooking them can be difficult here. So, For sure. you know, the, the tendency is, and, and it's important to, to learn how to make long casts, 
uh, to really improve your odds. You're covering more water, less likely the fish are going to be seeing you. So, uh, so, so, you know, so, so, so a lot of that going on there, but, uh, but, but being able to, to, to cast a long way as well as accurately, is really important uh, for the wade fishing. So as far as casting a long way, what are some of the, t- the trips, trips, I cannot talk tonight. What are some of the, the tricks and tips that you've kind of put together for, for casting far? Cause especially being wading your lower as well. So you don't have that elevation to help you out. Yeah. Well, so, so first of all, I, I mean, I, I suggest that people use lighter gear than, I mean, I get so many guys that want to bring their own gear when we go on a, on a, uh, on a charter. Right. And, and they're bringing, you know, I get the guys who are bringing 10 foot, um, you know, uh, rods with, you know, six or 7,000 series reels <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're just really kind of overgunned for what we're doing. Right. Um, and, and so I always try to make a point to, you know, Hey, listen, I've got gear available if you want to use it. And let me tell you what I'm using just in case you want to use your own, but you know, I'm using for the most part, seven foot, six inch, uh, rods, medium, medium, even medium light, maybe medium heavy, depending on, but for the most part, medium, uh, medium power, fast action rods. Um, I'm fishing with 2,500 or 3,000 series reels, so really pretty small, light stuff. And again, we're waiting, so I'm carrying this thing around with me all day, right? Right. Uh, um, so you want you want light gear. It's really important uh, for for the for the length of time, the number of casts that we're going to make in a day. You really want to keep it light. Um, and then I'm fishing. If, if I'm fishing just by myself, I'm using probably eight pound test. Um, when I'm on a charter, I usually use 10 pounds. Uh, it's not a huge difference, but, but the lighter lines definitely help with the longer casts. Uh, and so, you know, I really, I really promote that. And if we've got, if we've got a decent reel with a good drag and we've set it right, you know, I, I'm landing, you know, 40 inch plus snook, 40 inch plus redfish on that gear. Right. Uh, if I've got things set the right way. Um, now if I'm, you know, I'm going out targeting, like especially the reds are that big. I'm probably going to go a little bit heavier because I don't I don't want to wear these fish out. Right. But the point is, I'm fishing in spots and I do hook those kinds of fish, and uh, but and, and they can they can handle it. Yeah. Um. So so keeping that, that little bit of longer rod, the seven six, uh, I think is important. Um. And again, I'm fishing with really light, typically light lures, right? And, and just I fish all artificial. Um, and not that I have any problem with fishing live bait or cut bait. It's a great and effective way to do it. But I've just gotten to the point where, you know, throwing that, that cast net with a bad back isn't really great for me. Right. And, uh, and, and I don't want to spend the time doing it. And quite honestly, over the years, I've, I've, I'm probably as or more effective. Um, in fact, I know I'm more effective fishing with artificials than I am with live bait because I'm just getting, I'm just covering a lot more water. Right. Today. And so uh, there's, there's, there's no question in my mind that that's a, that's a better way to go um, if, if you're really looking to cover a lot of ground and, and have a better chance of fishing sure. a lot of fish. So covering ground with, with clients, you know, it can be different sometimes with clients as opposed to fishing by yourself, fishing with buddies as far as, you know, maybe they're not getting the cast everywhere exactly where you want it. What are some of the lures and, and baits that you found yourself, find yourself fishing um, with your clients when you're wade fishing? Yeah, so... Again, it depends upon the experience level. So, first time I take any client out, probably like you, I I, I always have a, at least a phone conversation with them, uh, just to kind of pick their brain, get a feel for their level of experience, right? Understand what what species they want to target, what their expectations are. Because the worst thing as a guide is to have someone coming in with unrealistic expectations. 
because then you know they're going to be disappointed. Right. right? Um, so like you got a guy that, you know, so, hey, listen, you know, all I want is I want to catch a slam and I want my PB on each of the species. Well, okay, that's what we'd like to do every time we go out. That's what we're trying to do. But the fact is it doesn't happen very often, if ever. So <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I'm not your guy, okay? So maybe you want to, want to look for someone else. That doesn't happen too often, too often, but I occasionally will fire a client before I, I ever have given them the chance to hire me. <laughs> right. but, 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 but not too often. Um, but so, you know, if I have an inexperienced fisherman, um, you know, you tend to start them with, you know, really kind of the simplest stuff, which also coincidentally happens to be some of the most effective stuff, right? right. There's, there's nothing simpler than, than, a you know, a white paddle tail, right? As I tell people, it could be, it could be slam shady. It could be white. It could be glow, but basically it's, it's a white shade of white, uh, paddle tail, you know, three, three and a half inch paddle tail. On, and, and if you really want to make sure it's simple, you, know, you can put it on a, uh, uh, on a weighted twist lock hook. And really, all they have to do is throw it out and reel it in, right? In fact, I tell them the only mistake you can make is trying to give it too much action. Um, let, the, let the paddle tail do the work. Uh, maybe, right. maybe you speed it up or slow it down. Um, but w- with a, a, a paddle tail rigged weedless, I mean, you can cast just about anywhere. And, uh, and, and again, remember, I'm, I'm fishing shallow, so that's totally appropriate. Um, you know, so I may go, you know, from a quarter to an eighth to a sixteenth ounce, depending upon how deep the water is or what the bottom structure is like. But, you know, a, a typical way for me to start with that will be an eighth ounce. And if I'm f- fishing a, you know, three-inch pale tail, it's probably going to be a three-aught, um, you know, weighted twist lock hook on, on that on that uh, paddle tail and yeah. and just let her rip and and lip, and you know I do spend a lot of time. It's one of the things I'm, I, I guess my 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 guiding is a little unique because it probably is, is more of my clients are actually interested in learning, um and 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 at least as interested in learning as they are in catching fish. In fact, I get a lot of clients. Listen, I don't even care if we catch fish. I just want to learn. I want you to teach me you know how to cast. Make sure you know make sure that I'm doing, I'm casting efficiently and effectively. Show me how, you know, they want to learn how to tie knots. Uh, they want to know, you know, when I'm putting out a lure, just not, you know, what it is, but why am I putting that lure on and explaining right. to them, right? Why am I casting over here versus over there? Um, and, and a lot of that has to do with kind of how I got started really uh, doing this over the last five or six years, which was being involved with Salt Strong. And I had done a weight fishing mastery course with them, and so that's how a lot of people uh, have been introduced to me is 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 their teacher in that course, and so going out with me is kind of an extension of that of that course. Yeah, but, that's cool. So I do I do a lot of teaching, and, and quite honestly, I love it and I enjoy it. There's nothing I, I mean, I've gotten probably like you. I love watching one of my clients hook a fish, especially if it happens to be, you know, they're beginners and they're just learning. I mean, just watching them. Um, and teaching them, and then see them actually catch a fish, and watching the smile on their face, and then and then they're addicted. Definitely. Um, and and there's there's just there's no no better high in my mind than that. And uh, I mean I've gotten to the point where, you know, and I do fish, which is also a little bit unique. I fish right alongside my clients all day long, uh, which is a little bit unique for a guide. Um, when I started, I didn't do that. Uh, I, I you know I used to go out with guys on boats, and pretty much you know they. They didn't fish. They were sitting there. They get you to the spot. They they chum. They put a bait on her. They'd even throw the the, the 
you know, the uh, the bait out there for me, hand me the rod, and it was all I could do to keep them from reeling it in for me, right? Right, so, right. Uh, you know, and I'm like, that's not what I wanted out of it. But, uh, you know, it, it so when I first started doing the weight fishing thing, um, you know, I wasn't fishing. I always had a rod with me um, and, and basically more as a spare for whoever I, I was with. But uh, since the whole saucer, I think every time I go, these guys, listen, how come you're not fishing? I want to watch you cast. I want to see how you're retrieving. Uh, I want to see how you're rigging, right? I want to see how you're, you know, what, what, you know, what, what you're doing. But they love to watch the type of retrieve you're using, the speed, um, watch the cast. Uh, and so, and even when you're hooking fish, you know, it, there's a guy, you know, how it kills me if I'm, especially if I'm leading the guy down a, uh, like a, a, a channel edge because he's never been there and not sure exactly where to go. So I'm leading the way. And I hook into the fish that I was just hoping that, that they would have gotten right. Right. It's almost a little embarrassing, but but they but you know what they love they love to watch how you're fighting that fish. Um, Definitely. And, you know, even weight fishing is something that nobody thinks about until they actually catch one. Is how do you unhook a fish when you're weighting, <laughs> right? Uh, what do you do with your rod? And you know what happens initially? They all end up dunking their reels, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know that's not you don't want to be doing that in salt water. Right. Um, but teaching them how to keep their their reels, you know, out of the water, and how to grab the line and control the fish with that, and then pick it up. But um, so so all of that um, is is a big part of what I do. So a little bit different than maybe you know a, a lot of other guys are, are doing out there, but. Um, but at the end of the day, probably like you, it, it's it's if you could turn somebody on to 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 you know your passion, there's there's nothing greater. No, there there really uh, isn't. And I think you said it so well. The most addicting part as a guide is seeing a client improve and learn through experience, and, and knowing that you know whether it was something you said or, or a way that you showed them or them seeing you catch a fish to see them put it together to see. I just love when I see some, you know, I've, I've got a client or, or something that, and we're sight fishing redfish. And for the past three or four trips, I've really had to talk them through each retrieve when they throw and pitch out in front of a redfish, where to stop it, when to move it. And then to watch them, you know, pick the redfish up on their own, pitch out in front of it, let the bait sit there, let the fish feel like they found it, hop the bait, the fish eats it. To watch them put all that together when it was so foreign, you know, for a while is, is just really cool. And it's something, you know, for guys like you and I that get to fish so often, um, you can easily forget those simple things, things that we just don't even really think much about are, are things that like when you were talking about working with a client, like why am I casting here as opposed to there? Like those are questions I get all the time working up a creek or a flat and, and just forgetting to explain that to someone. But it's so nice when you have that person, that client that wants to learn because you, you kind of reawaken all those thoughts and all that, all that stuff that just kind of becomes second nature. Um, and are able to teach that, which which is really fun. I do love love that part of guiding so much. Um, yeah, yeah. There's there's no doubt. In fact, I, you know, maybe the only downfall that I have several clients who over the years started as beginners, and I, mean, I have some guys that just got addicted so quickly that you know they were they were booking me you know every two weeks for a while you know wanting to learn how to go, or, and then you know maybe it was once a month, and, and as you'd expect, you, you become friends with these guys, right? right. And then, you know, at some point I'm like, and I've had this with, again, numerous clients. I've said, listen, I can't teach you anything. You're, you're, I can't teach you anything else. You know what to do. You know where to go. So, you know, if you need a buddy to fish with, give me a call. Let's go fishing. But I can't charge you anymore. I'm sorry. I just don't feel good about it. <laughs> and so, so I, I turned them into what I call my scouts, right? So I said, all I ask is this. So if you are out fishing, 
you know, just, you know, drop me a line or send me a text. Hey, I was fishing over the other day and, and caught this or I caught that or whatever. So I, I've got kind of this network of, of former clients that are, uh, you know, keep me informed about, you know, where they're fishing, what they're catching. Um, and, and uh, you know, as you might expect, there's only so many places you can go when you're waiting. So it's right. not uncommon for me to take a, cli- a new client somewhere and I'm running into an old, you know, an old client who's fishing there. And, and I love it when I see that. And, and, yeah. uh, and, and it happens all the time. But, but yeah, so you got to, you know, you got to be a little careful because, you know, keep doing that. You won't have any clients left. But uh, <laughs> anyways. No, that's funny. That's funny. Um, do you see, uh, uh, so you see kind of a, a, mostly a local clientele down there? Do you have quite a few people traveling in to fish with you? No, I, you know, initially it was, you know, over the, I'd say over the last five years, which is when I really started doing this full time, I I've been doing it part time since 2000. Um, and it was mostly weekends and fortunately I, I worked for myself so I could, you know, do my own schedule, but, uh, but you know, was, wasn't nearly as frequent as it is now, but five years ago I started doing it full time and 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 again it was really kind of getting involved with salt strong it really jump started the whole the whole thing um and so yeah initially it was more local folks but it's become i'd say in fact you know winter time as you might expect i get more out of towners because they're down here visiting from you know from the northeast and midwest a lot of folks during the winter in florida here uh so i get a lot of those folks but it's it's probably i'd say almost now maybe 60% out of towners, 40% locals. Wow. Um, so yeah, which, and it, and it continues to seem to be getting more and more, uh, folks coming from out of town. That's cool. That's super cool. Yeah. So what is, what is a typical day, a charter with you look like if you're booking a trip to come do some wade fishing, uh, are you using your boat often to get to areas that you're waiting? Or are you mostly driving? Are you no, meeting clients at a parking lot? I, I never, I never use my boat. Uh, to take a client, I shouldn't say never. I, very rarely, and usually it's those guys that I told you have graduated from uh, from <laughs> from my as I said from the waiter Dave school of fishing. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll I'll take them on a boat occasionally like that, but I, I never take clients for hire on the boat anymore. Um, for one thing, I have let my uh, my captain's license lapse, and just because I don't I don't use it, I don't have insurance on my for that in my boat anymore. Yeah. So that, that's one that's one good reason to keep me from doing it um, at this point. But I just I don't use it for that. So uh, just 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 wave fishing. So now I lost my train of thought, and I forgot what the question was. No, you're <laughs> good. You're good. I was just asking what a day of of wade fishing. Oh, you book a trip. Yeah, well, yeah, so let's say like tomorrow, weather's perfect, we're going fishing, and, and I'm yeah. like, hey, let's do what you want to do. What would it look like? Yeah, well, and, and this, time of, this time of year, especially down here, we're starting to get into the summer pattern down here. You know, you really need to fish early or, or later in the day. Uh, the bite tends to be best, uh, you know, early in the morning. And as that water heats up, it, it tends to, uh, the, the fishing tends to slow down. Tides obviously play an important part of it, but in the summertime, I'd say, morning and evening are almost more important than, than the tide. Um, but so normally I'm getting an early start, uh, this time of year. So we'll, we'll start typically, you know, we'll be on the water probably a half hour before sunrise. Yeah. So we'll be there right at, right at dawn. Um, you know, if, if we've got the right conditions, we'll usually start with some top water lures. Um, you know, again, doing a lot of teaching, you know, folks love to learn how to, you know, walk the dog. They watch them and well, that looks so easy to do. And I say it really is once you get the hang of it. But, but getting the hang of it takes a little bit. But um, so you know, top water. We'll and then as the day goes on, you know, we'll fish. I fish a lot of soft plastic. So it's showing folks, you know, how to, 
again, tying a lot of knots even. I'll walk them through the beginning, you know, exactly what the equipment is. I'll, I'll tell them the knot that I'm using to tie my, my braid to my leader, right? I'll mm-hmm. explain to them that I'm using, typically I'm using 20 or 30 pound leader. Um, I'm using mono these days. I've kind of made the transition from fluorocarbon back to mono. Um, it's a lot cheaper and I haven't really found a big difference to be honest with you there. So, um, but you know, if I think snooker going to be a likely target, uh, or we're going to be found and I'm going to go to the 30 pound test if it's not as 20, but explaining them, that's, that's the difference there. For sure. You know, show them how to tie the loop knot that I like to use to connect most of my jigs and, and, uh, and other, other lures. Um, so, you know, again, all those basic things. And then we get on the water again, depending upon the level of experience. Um, I'll maybe even, you know, first thing I do is, and I like to do is take a video of them casting at the beginning of the trip, right? Especially if they're beginners. Um, and then we'll watch them go throughout the day trying to give them tips. And then um, at the end of the day, I'll do another video of them casting, right? And it's amazing sometimes the difference between, you know, just after four or five hours of weight fishing and taking 500 casts, the difference. Um, so so we'll do that. But so get out. We'll, we'll fish. Typically, it's about four to five hours of fishing. Um, it's not unusual for me to cover two to three miles um, during a trip uh, on foot. And, you know, sometimes we may have to, depending on where we go, we may have to walk, you know, a quarter, half a mile to even get down uh, a, a trail or whatever it is to get to the water uh, where we're going to get in and enter. Um, and so that's not uncommon. Again, it depends on who I'm with and depends on their stamina level and, and, and all the rest. But that's that's very typical. I'm moving constantly, and that's one of the comments I get is like, boy, you don't sit still. And I don't. I said it's all about covering water, just like, you you know, when you're in the boat. Um, I, I keep moving until I, I get a hit or I catch a fish. Then I stop and I'll slow down and make sure I thoroughly fish the area um, until I'm not getting hits or fish anymore, and I'll move on. But I mean, it's, it's, it's constantly moving and that's why I'll cover so much area. Right. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's a lot of search going on. Um, I do have a lot of trips where I'll, I'll bring a kayak, uh, or a paddle board along. Um, and if I've got an area where we're going to get into the water close to where the, where, where I'm parking my vehicle, um, I just load the kayak up with a, I've got a little, uh, uh, milk crate with four rod holders. I put a cooler in there, my, uh, first aid kit and things like that in there and i basically just trail it behind me um as, as a platform to hold extra rods gear cooler whatever it might be for sure um and that that's a great tool but um but i also have trips where where my clients will bring their kayaks too and you know we'll 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 paddle to get across channels and to get to spoil items that we couldn't get to if we didn't have have the kayaks for sure and the kayaks also really expand your range so you know, I've got a lot of spots where I, you know, I may wade three miles down a shoreline, but the last thing I want to do at the end of that is to have to fish it all the way back again, right? And so if I have the kayak, I can just hop in the kayak and, and paddle back. So it really extends the range. Um, and I don't, I don't fish from the kayak. I, I actually, I don't like to fish from the kayak. I'm always, you know, trying to get myself positioned properly. You know, I, I get. You know, there's some. I see some of these fishing kayaks that have more stuff on them than my boat does, right? Right. You know, power, you know, two power poles, depth sounder, eight rods, rod holders, the pedals on top of a trolling motor. You know, it's crazy. It is. And, cra- um, it is crazy. You know, and, and I'm like, gosh, I thought the kayak was all about trying to keep things simple and getting out and getting a little bit of exercise. And 
Um, but my, my kayak is as simple as it gets. I don't even have anything on the sides because I'm constantly getting in and out. And you don't want to get hooked on your, your shorts or your right, or right. Your pack, whatever it is, you're getting it out. So it's just really simple. I still paddle, actually, which nobody does. They still make that. those paddles? Yeah, I, it's hard <laughs> to find them. Uh, but, yeah, but they still make them. But 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 those are the things that, that you know, a lot of times we'll do. So it's a little bit different. It depends, again, on, on how how advanced the fisherman, fisherman is, right? Um, and I do get, you know, I get a lot of advanced guys who, you know, we're, hey, I, I've never caught snook. I'm going to go catch snook, right. right? So we're, we're you know, we're focused and targeted on that. Or I've never, you know, I want to I want to go get a tailing redfish. Um, and I, you know, as I tell them, most of you guys are watching too many TV shows. They think that every flat you go to, you're going to see tailing reds right. left and right. And, and that's all there is to it. Um, and I always see the guys, look at, there's a hundred, there's a hundred redfish right No, those are mullets, or I'm sorry, I wish they were, but you know that that kind of stuff. Right, right. Um, so, you know, there's a little bit of everything going on. But, Good uh, to know that happens down there as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Believe me. Man, that is super cool. I just, I love, and I'm very jealous of the simplicity of that, and, and I think it gets you back down to the basics. And and the other cool thing, like I'm always a little jealous of kayaks. And now even more so talking to you of wade fishing because I even have had this conversation with Wyatt. The fact of, and, and I think you, you're, you're a good happy medium because you're talking about how you like to work quickly. But being on foot or being on a kayak does drive you to really pick an area apart a little bit better. Not like a boat where I could pull up to a bank and make like three casts and be like, ah, oh, that's not good. And then run, make a 15-mile run somewhere else and start fishing. I feel like you can really learn an area well whether it's worth your time or not. Um, and I, I feel like when, when you do fish slowly or, or just stay married to a, a zone or a spot that you have to walk or paddle, um, you a lot of times can catch fish there. You know, you might not have caught fish there on a boat because you might not give it enough time. You might have worked too quickly. But do you feel that that wade fishing really helps you understand a spot like you can fish a spot once and really know it maybe better than if you had rolled up on a boat and tried to fish it? Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and for a couple of reasons. Number one, as you said, you're working in much much more slowly right right I mean, you're walking if the water's clear and even if it's not you, you're feeling with your feet what the structure's like on the bottom right mm-hmm. so you know you when you trip over a, uh, a branch or or a, an oyster bed that's down below and you can't see it you know what you tend to remember that um <laughs> and, and that it's there so so you really learn you know the the structure and and again you're working you know much slower but you're also, if you think about it, you can position yourself perfectly on every cast. Where when you're in a boat or a kayak, you're always compromising. You may have to turn this way or that way. The wind is pushing you one way or the other. So you not only are you tend to get blown down a shoreline, so you're really you know trying to get your cast in, but you're not positioned properly all the time, like I am when I'm wade fishing. So I, I get to I work an area not only more thoroughly. And, and I don't think this is redundant, but but more effectively, right? So I'm I'm making more casts in an area for uh, sure. But I'm also getting those casts in in better position where the fish are likely to be than I might be if I was in a kayak, moving or or, or in a boat. Um, and so you know if I fish a shoreline ten times, and the other thing you discover too is that um, you know I know where those fish are going to be after ten times. I mean, it, it, but you find the patterns, right? And so if I become really familiar with an area, I find it, okay, well, why are you speeding up here? Well, I've fished this spot a thousand times. I, I rarely ever catch anything in this next hundred yards, so I'm not going to waste my time 
Um, let's go to this spot where I where I'm catching fish, you know, a hundred times out of a thousand instead of none, right? Um, right. But but that but that you know by by doing that slowly it really helps. Now the disadvantage to that is that you know when you're picking a spot weight fishing and especially if you don't have a kayak or anything to extend your range you're kind of married to that spot. So it's not like when you're going out in a boat, oh, okay, well, I have my plan. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six spots. Well, we pretty much got one spot. And uh, now it may be, you know, a length of shoreline, but um, but you're stuck with it. And if it happens to be the, the pattern just doesn't produce what you were expecting in that area, it can make for some tough days. For sure. And, uh, and, and so that's kind of, you know, as I tell people, it's the downside. Which is why you've got to, you know, you've got to have more than than one or two spots to fish. You got to learn where to go under different conditions, different winds, different, you know, different temperatures, different water clarity, things like that, and, and learn where to go conditions, which will all help you. Um, but but there's no doubt that that weight fishing, you know, not only are you stealth, you're stealthier as well, right? You don't have any hull slap to worry about. You've got a low profile. Um, it's amazing how many times. I mean, I am spooking fish while i'm waiting that i mean i'm about kicking them in the head before i even see they're there they're not seeing me either right um and so you know there's no doubt in my mind that it's a stealthier approach for sure so again and and i think that's kind of attributes what i call the the you know being more effective um when you're working an area because of that so you can get closer to the fish and, and have a better chance of getting them before you spook them so with you kind of just answered my question here but this was something i was thinking about do you so if I'm fishing, I used to do a lot of freshwater trout fishing, and if I'm working up a stream or a creek, I'm always, for the most part, if I'm in the water down current, working up so that I'm not disturbing that water down current yeah. as I'm fishing to it. Do you find yourself doing anything similar on those flats or maybe the, the shallower areas? Are you trying to, where you enter a flat, are you going to think about current and everything? Or, or? sure, no, no, yeah. So the things that I'm gonna I'm gonna be trying to take into consideration when I when I get to a flat right is. Uh, a, a few things, but you know, wind direction is probably probably the first thing that I'm looking at, right? You, you want to avoid casting. I, 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 I'll, I'd rather be casting into the wind or downwind than with the sidewind. Right, it's, it's really more difficult, right? So I, I want to be either, you know, ideally, I want to be I want to be working a flat so I'm casting downwind if I can. Um, I prefer to have the sun at my back if I can, right? And ideally, I'd like to be throwing my lure so I'm retrieving it with with the tide, right? Because that's that's the natural direction of the bait fish coming. Now, on a, on a wide flat, you know, you're, you don't have the uh, the volume of water, you know, constricted. So right. it's not it's not like it is in a channel or, or at a pinch point, stuff like that. So so the, the tidal movement tends to be much slower. Uh, so it's not as big a deal. I don't worry about it as much. But if I'm fishing, you know, a pass um, or I'm fishing the beach near, near, a, near a, an inlet, something like that, um, or even on the beach, as you know, you've got runouts all over yeah. the beach. But there, there could be some pretty significant tidal movement along the beach. Every sure. the water's coming in this way, but it's really not. It's running along the beach one way or the other. And so, ideally, I want to be casting, as I said, up up tide, retrieving the lure with the, uh, with the in the same direction that the tide's running. Um, you know, we talked about sight fishing, and, and especially like down here in the beach for fishing for snook. Um, I tend to get right into the swash. I like to get right in the middle of it, and I'm just working my way and casting parallel to the beach, um, you know, down, like casting down tide and retrieving with it. 
So if you think about it, right, um, as I said, one of the downfalls of fish, if you're staying on the beach, these fish can see you got a high profile. They can see you coming, especially if, if you're not, if, if you're, if you're going, uh, if you're walking uh, in the direction the fish are facing, well, they're going to see a long way. But if, if I'm casting down tide and retrieving it, the fish are either facing into the current, right, or they're perpendicular typically. And so they're not as likely to see you. So I have a much better chance as I'm walking down that swash and casting, you know, the fish are, are not looking at me. So I'm casting yeah, down awesome. and I'm bringing that lure right in front of them. But yeah, so ideally those are the things. So I, listen, if, and so I, like I'll have people see me, we'll get to a flat and those that I'll start walking all the way go, why aren't we fishing? I said, well, I want, we're going to actually walk around to the other side of the flat so we can be casting either, you know, with the wind or have the sun at our back or have the, the tide moving in the right direction. Or ideally, right, when, when everything all everything aligns, you can have all those things in your favor, right? right? Um, and so that's, you know, so that's kind of a, a, a thing that you, that, you know, probably you like like I do. I mean, I, I just do that naturally. I, I just, I'm calculating as I'm walking out there, right. trying to figure out where I'm going to want to be on this flat um, and then doing it. But you're right. But those are the things that, you know, it, it takes, you know, that's one of those things that, that you, it takes just experience to, to learn and understand. Um, and that, that can make a big difference for folks that, that don't get that, right? Definitely. It's funny you say you kind of t- are doing those things daily as you're walking onto a flat, maybe calculating a little bit. I, I can A lot of times I'll notice clients looking at me, wonder what I'm doing when I'm constantly running the boat around. And I'm thinking about the spot, but I'm looking over my shoulder at where the sun is so I can kind of plan out how I'm going to approach a flat or approach a bank. And I know they're like, is, is the, does he think somebody's chasing him or is there someone after us? Because I'm always yeah. looking behind me, trying to make sure I'm setting up just right for it. Um, but yeah, it's those little things that you're kind of just, the things that are great teaching, uh, great pieces to teach that oftentimes I feel like I forget because I just think about them. They're such second nature, but that's what a lot of our clients really want to know. It's like, all right, why are you doing this? Why are you setting us up here? What? Is, why is it important to have the sun behind us? Um, one of the last questions, we're already at an hour, which is crazy. Uh, we got about 10 wow. more minutes, but, and we'll definitely would love to have you back on. I have so many more questions, but um, have you had any, this is a kind of a serious, but silly question, crazy encounters, spending so much time in the water, sharks, stingrays, anything like that? Probably not good for business, but yeah, all the above. Um, in fact, like right now, we're kind of getting near the end, but we're in, in stingray mating season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these big southern stingrays get up on the flat. I mean, they're just, you know, four or five feet across. They're just huge, and they're all over the place. And, uh, you know, and I've warned people. In fact, I have a liability waiver that is the craziest. I should send it just, you, you'll laugh. It just lists all the possible hazards, right? Right. Um, including, including flesh-eating disease and all these other things that, that can happen while you're waiting. But, uh, but... You know, stingrays are probably the one thing that we encounter. I mean, every trip people see see stingrays. And that's why it's really important at the very beginning of every trip, you explain to them, hey, listen, we're going to move very slowly. Okay, we don't don't want to be running. We don't want to be lifting our feet high. We're keeping our feet low. You know, booty. I won't fish with anybody that doesn't have booties. Um, And, you know, I get guys, oh, I got, you know, the little beach slippers or whatever, or, you know, want to go barefoot. I'm like, Sorry, I won't do it. And I carry extra booties with me uh, just in case. But, but just protection, not only from stingrays, but from oysters, glass, whatever it might be. But that's a must. Right. Um, but, but, yeah, so stingrays are all over the place. Again, I'm, I'm probably going to get stung tomorrow for saying this, but I've been waiting for 
40 years, and I've never been stung by a stingray while I've waited. Now, don't get me wrong. I've bumped into, I can't tell you how many. And when I bump in, if I'm, if I'm shuffling and I bump into them, they take off. Right, right. right. I, I also tell people, listen, you know, look where you're walking, okay? And so, if, especially if you're in clear water, you'll see the stingray. So Definitely. if you see a stingray, you know, we'll stop. Poke them with the rod. They'll take off, okay? Um, but look where you're going. Uh, that that certainly helps. Um, sharks, you know, more trips than not, I see sharks. Now, you know, mostly bonnet heads, right. uh, which we're not worried about. We'll see a lot of smaller uh, black tips and lemons, things like that. Um, in fact, when you're wading through a flat, um, and I tell people, I'll turn around sometimes, and also you'll see three or four little bonnet heads or even some black tips just following us. And they're just feeding on all the stuff that we're we're uh, you know we're we're bringing up when we wade through that right, grass right. and all the rest, right? Um, and so you'll see that happen a lot. And they're oh my god! And I'm like, yeah, just just relax. Now, <laughs> I do, and I have on occasion. You know, I'll I'll see I've seen my share of bull sharks out there. Um, I don't like them, and 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 I don't want to see too many of them. But you know, more often than not, it's been when I'm working a an edge or a shoreline. And I'm doing the same thing. They're doing the same thing, but they're coming the other way. You know, we're, we're going right towards right, each right. other. And, and so more, you know, fortunately, every time that's happened, they've seen me and they take off. I've had a couple times to poke them in the nose and, and they've gone off. Um, I did see probably the scariest thing I ever saw. I saw a had to have been a 12 foot hammerhead um, just working a, a mangrove shoreline in an area that uh that was in fact it was a spot where i'd taken my boat out to a barrier island mm -hmm. and had gotten out and waited I, and i was half a mile from closest person and that hammerhead was just working that shoreline the same way i saw him coming i saw his fin sticking out that was in probably three feet of water um and he scared the living heck out of me i'll be honest with you. that's the only time i've been just i'm like thinking i gotta i gotta go jump in the mangroves here or something but um yeah I, hammerhead's no joke <laughs> well, it's just I've never seen one there. I've seen them off, you know, on the beach or offshore, but not not like that. Right. And uh, so, you know, he fortunately he, you know, he saw me. He just went around me, and but it, it I, I waited. I got back to that boat pretty darn quick after that. <laughs> um, but but yeah. So listen, you, you see that, but I see it. You know what I see? I see manatees all the time out there. I see you know dolphin are out there. Everybody, oh, I hate the dolphin. They they're eating my fish. I don't mind the dolphin because if I see him feeding. I know there's fish there, right? And when they leave, those fish come back. Um, it, it's not not that big a deal, but 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 the, the good things that I see while I'm out there, turtles, and you know, you see uh, you know spotted eagle rays jumping, whatever. Um, it, it, that's one of the reasons why I love weight fishing, and, and and really outweighs you know some of the you know scary things I might see out there. And the reality is, most of those things really aren't anything right. to be afraid of anyway. For sure, for sure. Well, Dave, thank you so much for hopping on this podcast with us. Is there anything, any closing statements, any other, anything we didn't touch on that, that you're passionate about that you want to share about before we hop off? Oh, there's so much I couldn't even start. But uh, <laughs> no, no, I, I, listen, I just appreciate the opportunity. Uh, you know, I think as you and I, you know, we talked, uh, get me talking about fishing an hour ago. is just like that. I know. And, it's uh, crazy. And, and, and I love it. I, you know, after all these years, I'm still, I still get excited about every, every trip. And, and you know the night before I, I'm always a little anxious and excited to get up and go so I hope that never stops being the case and uh, and, and that's when you know you're an addict but uh, as I said I, I hope to have the opportunity to create more addicts uh, as I continue to 
to grow older. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. So I'm going to link all of your uh, information on the note, the show notes for the podcast and the YouTube description. But just for our listeners that might not be able to click as they're driving down the road, how can they find you uh, if they want to get out and either connect with you or get out and do some fishing with you? Yeah, I have a, a website, and it's uh, wadersguide.com. So W-A-D-E-R-S, waders, G-U-I-D-E dot com, wadersguide.com. It'll take you to my website, and then um, you, you can you can contact me through there. Awesome. And on Instagram, it's just Waiter Dave. Waiter Dave. At Waiter Dave. So it, it, definitely reach out to him, you guys, if y'all are going to be in the Tampa area and want to do any fishing. Uh, just a, just an awesome, awesome guy. Great wealth of knowledge. And, and Dave, thank you so much for hopping on here with us. No, my pleasure. I hope we have a chance to do it again. We will definitely do it again. And maybe next time we'll talk about Texas. Well, <laughs> or, or maybe I'm we get you down here and, and we go looking for some hammerheads. What do you think? I, I'm always down to go hunt for a few, few big hammerheads on foot. Okay, that's good. <laughs> well, guys, thank Take you. Care. Yeah, thank you so much. Guys, thanks for checking out another Eastern Current episode. We are excited uh, to bring you all another one next week. Definitely check out Waiter Dave if you're in Tampa. Hit him up on Instagram. Um, but until next time, uh, thanks for checking out Eastern Current.